and welcome to another edition of the Christian Faith Radio Hour. This is David Canfield, and I'm recording this here in Chicago on the Lord's Day evening, February 4th, 2024. And my goal with the podcast, I should say, to begin with, is to try to get an episode out every week. But recently, I haven't been quite able to do that. The last couple times, it's been more like every other week. I've just had a lot going on, so I've fallen a little bit behind, but... uh, But I hope to do better in the future. That is my goal, to get one episode out a week. And in this episode, I want to deal with a topic and cover a topic, which, to be honest, I feel is somewhat beyond me. But uh, we trust that the Lord will help and give us the utterance to really convey this in a way that hopefully will be of some profit to his children. So let's uh, ask the Lord for his help. Father, we just give this program to you, we give this episode to you. Do grant us the utterance to really speak something that conveys to your children what is your purpose and what is your desire for us. We bind what the enemy would do to interfere with such sharing. We ask you, Lord, open our eyes, open our ears to really see this matter, to really see what's on your heart so your children would enter into this in a deeper way. For your sake and your glory, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. As Christians, we should have a clear view of what is God's purpose. And when I say that, I'm not talking about, you know, what a lot of Christians will have that question, what is God's purpose for my life? I mean, what is God's purpose overall? Why is it that we exist? What is God trying to accomplish? In Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, we read that, God created all things because of his will, and because of his will, they were created. So the whole universe, everything that exists, is in existence for the sake of this will that God wants to carry out. And we should have a lot of consideration. What is it God's doing in the universe? What does he want? And if we begin to be clear about that, then we'll begin to see how our life can fit into that purpose, then we can begin to ask that kind of a question. Where where do I fit into that purpose? But the first thing is to be clear, what is God's purpose overall? And that's really what I want to cover in this episode of the podcast, is what is God's purpose? First of all, and then in a general way, how can we begin to enter into that purpose? And there is a particular reason why I have some feeling to cover that topic now, which we'll get to a little bit later in the program. But if you ask a lot of Christians, what is God's purpose? Uh, they, they might tell you, well, uh, he saved me so that I wouldn't uh, have to spend eternity in the lake of fire. Well, for sure, that, that's part of the reason why God saved you, but that's not what God's purpose is. Or, or maybe some Christians would say, he saved me so I could go to heaven and be in heaven and happy and blessed for eternity. But there's nothing in the New Testament that anywhere that indicates that God's goal for us is that we would go to heaven. That really is a satanic concept uh, about salvation and the purpose of salvation that Satan has used to blind Christians and to keep them from seeing what really is God's purpose. And I've shared about this. I have a a podcast on it called The Heaven Drug, which I'll link to below in the program notes. I encourage you to listen to that and consider that if, if you have that kind of a concept about the Christian life. You know, in a few places, the New Testament talks about how we as the believers are predestined. We have a certain destiny that's been marked out for us beforehand, but it never says that we're predestined to go to heaven. When the Bible actually does talk about 
predestination. It's very consistent in terms of how it uses this term. And so let's look at that. Uh, because when we see what we are predestinated to, then that's going to give us a very good way to begin to understand what God's purpose really is. So the first place is in Romans chapter 8. And I'll start with verse 28 of Romans chapter 8. And this is a verse a lot of Christians are familiar with. It says, We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to the purpose. So here it talks about God's purpose. Okay, we're called according to God's purpose. Well, what is that purpose? That's what we see in the next verse, verse Romans chapter 8, verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, these he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. That is God's purpose. He predestined us to be conformed to the image of Christ, so Christ would be the firstborn among many brothers. Now, it's not talking here about us being Christ-like. You know, he's loving and holy and kind, so we're going to be loving and holy and kind like Christ is. You can be loving and holy and kind, at least in theory, and not be a brother of Christ. So that's not what it's talking about. It's not talking about us being Christ-like. It's talking about us being the very brothers of Christ. That's what it means, according to this verse, to be conformed to the image of God's Son. And that means God's divine life and God's divine nature has worked in us to make us the very brothers of Christ. And in that sense, we are fully conformed to the image of Christ. That is God's goal for us. So in Romans 8, when it's talking about all things working together for good, it's not talking about so we can have a blessed life, so we're taken care of, so we're happy, and you know we may go through some trials and hardships and things work out okay eventually, though, because God cares for us. Well, God does care for us, but not in the sense often the way we think. He cares for us so that we can be conformed to the image of God's Son. That's what how Romans verse Romans chapter 8, verse 29, defines all things working together for our good, that we would be conformed to the image of Christ. That is God's purpose for us. That is what he wants to work out in our life. He wants you to be fully conformed to the image of Christ as a brother of Christ, as a child and son of God. Praise the Lord for that. And so verse 30 goes on. Those whom, whom he predestined, these he also called. Those whom he called, these he also justified. And those whom he justified, these he also glorified. And again, that glorified there, that is the consummation of our being fully conformed to the image of Christ. Because today, as the firstborn son, the firstborn among many brothers, he is a man in the glory. He's gone through that process of death and resurrection we are also going through that same process of death and resurrection to follow him into glory. And you see that also in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10, which talks about the Father leading many sons into glory. Same, same, very same thought. We are being led into glory to be the many brothers of Christ. And again, praise the Lord for that. What a destiny we have, saints. Again, not to go to heaven, but to be fully conformed to the image of Christ in glory. Now, the other place that talks about our being predestinated unto sonship is in Ephesians chapter 1. You have two verses that talk about 
predestination in Romans. That's Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 30. And you have two verses also in Ephesians chapter 1. The first one is Ephesians 1, 5. God predestined us to take our place as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. So again, what is the good pleasure of God's will? It's that we would take our place as sons through Jesus Christ. It's all about the sonship, entering into the sonship. This is really what is on God's heart. And verse 11 goes on, In Christ we were also made God's allotted portion, having been predestined, there's that word again, according to the purpose of the one who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So again, we're predestined according to God's purpose. And in the context of Ephesians chapter 1, our predestination is to take our place as sons. So the New Testament is very clear when it talks about what is God's goal for us as the believers in Christ. We are to be conformed to the image of Christ and to take our place with him as the many sons of God. That is what God desires for us. Now, when we're speaking about our being the many sons of God and how that's God's purpose for us, we have to be clear that's God's purpose for us on the individual side of our Christian life. There's also the corporate side of what God desires for us. And that is that as the many sons of God, and you see this especially in the book of Ephesians, we would be built up together to be the dwelling place of God on the earth. That's the church. The body of Christ, the bride of Christ, and the dwelling place of God. That is what God is after ultimately. And that's consummated eventually in the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God as the bride of Christ and as the eternal dwelling place of both God and man. That is really what is on God's heart. Now, how does God carry out this purpose? And that's what I want to really spend the rest of this podcast talking about. How does God carry out this purpose? For this to happen, he has to make Christ everything to us. It's only when Christ is everything to us that we can be fully conformed to his image. He dwells with us inwardly, and we express him outwardly because he is everything to us. Now, just to give an example, recently I, I shared about uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, and how the Lord just opened my eyes to see this verse, and not long after I became a believer. Of him are you in Christ Jesus, who became wisdom to us from God, even our righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Now, we may feel these are things God gives us, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. But according to this verse, God wants to give us Christ to be our righteousness. He wants to give us Christ to be our sanctification. He wants to give us Christ to be our redemption. He wants to make Christ everything to us in terms of our daily experience. Even, you know, we may seek after holiness. We may seek after spirituality. We may seek after righteousness. But if we seek after these things, to a very large extent, we're missing the mark. Even these are good things. These are very good things. But what we should be seeking after is Christ himself, and then he becomes these things to us. 
And as, as, as I shared in that earlier podcast, when I saw this first, oh, I just felt like I was, the world was under my feet. There were just... There was just no problem between me and God because Christ was everything to me. And I could hide myself in Christ. And Christ was living in me. And the Father was so pleased with me because I was in Christ and Christ was in me. And I was coming to him in the name of his dear son. Praise the Lord for that. When you have this experience, I assure you there's no problems between you and God. In John fifteen four, the Lord tells us, Abide in me, and I in you. That's this kind of experience. We're abiding in Christ, and Christ is abiding in us. And he just becomes everything to us. Just as we've shared about in the Passover recently, we're in the house, covered under the blood. In the house, there is a type of Christ. And when we're in the house, we're feasting on Christ as the Passover lamb. He's just everything to us. Praise the Lord for that. Just a, that marvelous picture of us abiding in Christ. There's a lot of different ways to look at that in this matter of how God wants to make Christ everything to us. But we need to be so impressed with this, saints. And, and, and as I started out to say, I feel that I'm sharing something that's beyond me because I have to say, how much have I entered into this experience? The Lord knows, not much. Not nearly what I should have. Have I touched this even a little bit? The Lord knows. I hope so. But not, not what I should have. But sometimes, of course, when you share th- something like this, it does help you to enter more into the reality when you share it by faith. So hopefully I can have some more experience of that, even as I'm sharing this with you. And, of course, I hope you'll enter into more into this experience because this is what the Lord is really after. We can say the Lord's after so many things. He's after the gospel going out, for sure. I'm a, a big believer in that. We need to be those who are preaching the gospel to gain the material for God's kingdom. He wants the saints to be so much more in the Word, and I absolutely believe in that. I'm a big believer in Bible teaching. Sanctify them in the truth. Your Word is truth. We as the believers in Christ are not nearly so much in the Word today as we should be. He wants to see the local churches built up and established uh, as a shining testimony of Christ all over this country, saints. May it be so. We need to pray for that. He wants to see us living holy lives, not being defiled by the things of the world, not occupied with so many uh, worldly pursuits, a, a living that is really sanctified. But in all these things, the real goal, what is really on God's heart, is he wants to make Christ everything to us. And we need to have this kind of a view of our Christian life. God wants to make Christ everything to me so I can be fully conformed to the image of God's Son and eventually be built up with the other believers in Christ so God can have his testimony, his dwelling place on the earth today. That is really what is on God's heart. Now, is there a picture in the Old Testament, a type that can help us understand, can help us see how God wants to make Christ everything to us? And this is why I wanted to cover this topic in this episode. Because, yes, there is a marvelous, marvelous picture of God's desire to make Christ everything to us. And that is in the journey of the children of Israel from the land of Egypt into the good land. And, of course, recently on the podcast, we've been sharing a good deal about the Passover and about the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. So that's how... This topic ties into what we've been covering recently. And we know from the New Testament that the journey of the children of Israel is a picture of our history in the New Testament. That's Romans, 
or excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 to 6, I think, primarily. Uh, Paul, in the previous chapter, Paul had ended up talking about running the Christian race, and then he says, he to illustrate that, he uses the history of the children of Israel in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And he says specifically, these things happen to them as an example of us, as a picture, as a type of us. So the ch- picture of the children of Israel going from the land of Egypt into the good land is a picture of our history. And what this picture really shows us is how God does want Christ to be everything to us. Now, I think a lot of Christians would have no problem understanding that the Passover lamb is a type of Christ. And that's what we spend a lot of uh, time in recent episodes talking about. For sure, that's a, a type of Christ. John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus coming to him, he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, John one twenty nine. And in the wilderness, you had the tabernacle. <clears throat> and for sure, that is a picture of the church as God's dwelling place. And at the center of the tabernacle, you have the ark, which is a type of Christ. And so, again, Christians, I don't think we'd have any trouble understanding that. And then in the good land, you have the temple as the enlargement of the tabernacle, which is also for sure a type of Christ and of a type of God's dwelling place, the church, in a fuller way. But to really understand this picture, we need to be clear that in addition to these other items that show us who Christ is and what the church is, we need to be clear the good land itself is absolutely a type of Christ because that is what God is bringing us into as the believers in Christ. Just as in the Old Testament, he brought the children of Israel into the good land as their dwelling place. Today, he is bringing us into Christ as our dwelling place. That's God's goal for us. And so the land in the Old Testament is for sure a picture of Christ as our dwelling place. Well, how can we see this from the scripture? Well, there's a few different ways. Uh, First of all, in the Old Testament itself, When the children of Israel entered into the good land, the manna that they had been eating and surviving on during their wandering in the wilderness ceased, and instead they began to eat the produce of the land. That's in Joshua chapter 5, verse 11. This is just after they crossed over the Jordan. And they ate of the produce of the land on the day after the Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day, Then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land, and the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. So the food of Canaan replaced the manna that they had survived on before that. And we know for sure in the Bible, the manna is a type of Christ. That's John chapter 6, verse 32. The the children of Israel had told Jesus, you know, they they wanted the Lord to give give them some more bread. And they said, well, God gave the children of Israel the manna in the wilderness. And then Jesus in John chapter 6, verse 32 says, Moses has not given you the, the bread that comes down out of heaven, but my father gives you the true bread out of heaven. So in John 6, for sure, the Lord is saying here, the manna was a type of himself, a type of Christ as the real bread that comes down out of heaven. And thank the Lord for that. And the fact that the manna is replaced by the produce of the land shows us that produce is also a picture of Christ himself in a much richer, much fuller way than just having the manna day by day. 
So that's the Old Testament. It really shows us the good land that produces the food for the children to eat must be a type of Christ. In the New Testament, you especially see this in the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. Paul tells us we should be giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you for a share of the allotted portion of the saints in the light, who delivered us out of the authority of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. So just as in the Old Testament, the children of Israel had to transfer from Egypt into the good land, God has given us a transfer out of the authority of darkness into Christ, who is our real good land. And it's interesting, it says in verse 12, he's, he's the portion allotted to the saints in the light. Because when the children of Israel came into the good land, eventually they, were, they received their inheritance by lot. So the allotted portion here, the saints allotted, the, excuse me, the portion allotted to the saints in the light refers back to how the children of Israel received their portion in the good land. We have all been allotted a portion, a particular portion, I would say, of Christ as our good land today. And I do want to say a little bit about this matter here of Christ as our allotted portion. Because as I was considering this, really, this really impressed me. You know, each one of the Israelites had a particular portion of the good land as their allotted portion. They didn't get the whole good land. They got a, Each one had a little portion they were to take care of. You know, in the same way today, I think this phrase really brings it out. Each of us, as the believers in Christ, has a particular portion of Christ allotted to us. And no one else has that portion. It's pretty much the same when we say we are the members of the body of Christ. Each of us in the body of Christ has a particular function as it's related to Christ, and no one can replace that function. In terms of the land, each of us is given a particular portion of Christ that we are to enjoy and bring out. No one can enjoy all of Christ. It takes the whole body of Christ to bring forth the riches of Christ. And I say this just to encourage you and to impress you that you have a unique portion in Christ, whether you consider Christ as our good land or whether you consider that we're all members of the body of Christ, you have a portion of Christ no one else has and no one else can replace. Not the Apostle Paul, not the Apostle Peter, not the Apostle John, not some great servant of the Lord, not ones you really appreciate. The Lord has committed to you, to you, to you, a particular portion that he hasn't given to anyone else. It just is going to express something of Christ in a unique way. Christ is so great. There are millions and millions and millions of real believers in Christ. And eventually, each of us has a particular portion of Christ to bring out for all the saints to enjoy. And we need to treasure that and to fight like the children of Israel had to fight in the Old Testament, to take the good land. We need to fight and struggle to enter into our portion of Christ so it becomes something for all the saints to enjoy and to profit from and to appreciate and to benefit from. That's what it means to have a portion of Christ allotted to the saints in the light. You've been allotted, my dear brother or my dear sister, a particular portion of Christ to enjoy. Fight and struggle to enter into that portion so it can be gained for all the saints to enjoy. Don't let anyone ever rob you of your portion and don't let Satan tell you that it doesn't matter. It matters a lot 
to the whole body of Christ that you would really enter into that portion and gain that portion for all the saints to enjoy. So that's in chapter 1 of Colossians. Then in chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, listen to what it says. As therefore you have received the Christ, Jesus the Lord, walk in him. Do you know what we should do, saints? We should be walking today in Christ as our good land, just exploring Christ and finding out more and more and more about Christ day by day and finding all the riches that are in Christ, just like the children of Israel had to enter into and enjoy all the riches of the good land God had given to them. And then in verse 7 of Colossians 2, it goes on, having been rooted and being built up in him, and being established in the faith, even as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So he's our good land. He's even our soil. We're rooted in Christ as our good land. Rooted to him. Just, you know, in in John 15, he says we're to abide in the vine. Again, the, the branches in the vine are just enjoying all the riches that come from the stem of the vine into the branches, so the branches can bear fruit. Here it says we're rooted in Christ. We're being rooted in Christ. Again, we're just absorbing all the riches that are in Christ. Again, I would say, saints, God just wants to make Christ everything to us, everything to us in our daily living, to be so real to us. Then for sure we're going to begin spontaneously expressing something of Christ in our daily living as we enjoy the riches of Christ day by day. And if we're rooted in Christ, that's when we will be built up in him together with the other saints. Individually, we're rooted in Christ. Together, we're built up in Christ. And it's so important to understand this, to have the body of Christ, the real expression of the body of Christ, of the saints being built up together. The saints personally have to be rooted in Christ and have to be those who are enjoying Christ day by day. That's the only way you can have the real testimony of Christ, just as in the Old Testament, You could only have God's kingdom centered on the city of Jerusalem and the dwelling place of God, the temple of God, once the children of Israel were in the good land and enjoying the riches of the good land. Then they could really become a kingdom to fight for God's purpose on the earth, have God's dwelling place as God's expression. So it's just a marvelous picture Uh, when we understand the good land in this way, as a picture, as a type of Christ, then we begin to see how it really shows us God wants Christ to be everything to us. And when he is everything to us, that's when God can have his kingdom on the earth and that's when he can have his building as his expression and as his dwelling place. Praise the Lord for that. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Christian Faith Radio Hour. For more resources, you can visit thechristianfaith.org, which is my website. If you'd like to receive my e-letter, just click on the subscribe link there and enter your email address. And to connect with us by email, just send us a note at notes at thechristianfaith.org. Until next time, may the Lord keep you in his way for his sake and his glory. In Jesus' name, amen.